Whether we're talking about business, wellness, travel, or relationships, I've always thought age is just a number. Welcome to Ageless with me, Cynthia Raleigh, and my daughter, Kit Keenan. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Ageless. This week, my mom and I had the pleasure of interviewing and chatting with the founder of Urban Decay Cosmetics, Wendy Zomner. And I am obsessed with this episode and I can't wait for you guys to hear it. So let's dive right in. Maybe we can start from the beginning and hear a little bit about your story, and maybe where the idea for Urban Decay came from in the beginning. Like you were saying, it's about self-expression. Was that always the ethos of the brand, or did that kind of come about as you started to like work things out? So I think that was the ethos of the brand from the very beginning was, number one, it was a product play in that we saw a white space in the industry. If you think back to, you don't remember because you were just a little peanut, but back in the 90s, there was one way to buy prestige makeup, and that was at the department store. And the department store was not incredibly exciting in the beauty department. Like if mauve lipstick came out, it was a really edgy moment. Oh and so, it's so you could, different. yeah, it's so different now, right? And you could get colors at CVS or the drugstore, but back then it wasn't like it is today where you can get quality makeup there if you look around. Back then, all the makeup was like kind of chalky. The lipsticks were draggy. Like it wasn't a great like makeup experience. So we really saw this space and we were like, there's a place for color that's great quality. Number one. Number two, we have a lot to say as women. And you know what? We may not fit the mold of what is perfect and pretty, but we want to express ourselves through makeup. And it felt really artistic. It felt really freeing. And so that was really the ethos behind it. I love that. The brand stands for so much experimentation. And so I feel like it has that agelessness in a way because you encourage a lot of diversity, a lot of it's very inclusive and, it is, yeah. And you, you know, it it makes you feel like it's okay to experiment even at any age. At any age. I mean, well, we started the brand. One of the first things I wrote, like describe, like, what is it? Describe it. And I wrote, Urban Decay is makeup for girls and boys who want to show the world who they are and put their own stamp on it. And that, if you think back in the like mid nineties to say makeup for girls and boys, like that was groundbreaking. I like, actually nobody remember that. that. And it's, I remember yeah. thinking yeah. like, all right. It's about time. Yeah. I mean, you know? before James Charles, I had never seen men wear makeup outside of drag. Well, I actually have to tell you, so you're you're a New Yorker, so you know where the Javits Center is. And they used to have like this beauty, makeup beauty show, right? And I would get the Teamsters. Imagine the Teamsters, the guys, <laughs> the men of all men. Everybody's the seen the Irish right. men. Now we know, now who, you know who the Teamsters I are. I would grab them and have them sit down and I would paint their nails. I'd be like, it's going to change your life. Because we had like grungier kind of masculine colors like gunmetal. And, yeah. you know, I'd get them hooked with the names. Like this one's called Oil Slick. Let me put it on your nails. And I painted all the Teamsters nails. <laughs> so That's amazing. I mean, it used to be like guys who use moisturizer. You were like, wait, what? You know, I wasn't, but you know, 
dudes would be like, you moisturize, you know, and now I think we still have further to go. Like, I still don't see why guys don't throw on a little mascara or, you know, a little line on there, like a regular, you know, just to wear to work. Yeah, I have one son that wouldn't touch it with a 10-foot pole, and I have another son who's like, yeah, bring it. You know, every once in a while, he's, you know, it's mostly if he's doing, like, something on stage, he really wants it. Mm -hmm. But it's a little bit of an excuse, you know? Like, he's a little (laughs) bit into it. Like, and he's, I think he's straight, but he's totally, like, fine with makeup. He's into it. I mean, that's there's a lot of women like that, too. Some wear and some don't, you know. Or I to just, what degree? Yeah, I just tell them your brows got to look good, guys. Like, that's the most important <laughs> oh thing. Oh, my God. Now I'm so Every boyfriend, I'm like, I need to pluck your eyebrows. <laughs> like, I just get so much satisfaction. I know. I tell my older son, he's amazing eyebrows, but they need grooming. And I tell you, I tell him, I'm like, this is a $75 brow service every time I do this. Just remember this. Like, when it comes time <laughs> to live on your own, this is a $75 service. <laughs> well, speaking of skincare routines. I wanted to talk to you a bit about the whole clean beauty, clean skincare, skin first, makeup second trend in the industry right now. And Urban Decay has always been very much about experimentation and about color and fun and play. How does that trend kind of align or is it a passing trend? What are your thoughts about it? Well, I don't think it's a passing trend. I think it's really important because the stuff we make at Urban Decay looks better on skin that's been taken care of. So I always encourage people, I tell them double cleanse, get one of those cleansing oils and then use a cleanser with a little bit of, you know, tiny bit of surfactant in it to just wash all that dirt away, even if you need a really gentle one and really keep your skin clean and hydrated because that's how our products look best. So I hope it's not a passing trend. I think it's important. And, you know, the knowledge is out there, the products are out there, the access is out there. So people should take care of their skin. Okay. You're still involved in the business. Yes. Even though it's sold. Do you want to just give a oh, little yeah. brief? So it did uh, six and a half or seven years ago. It sold to L'Oreal, right. which is in, into their luxury division. So we have some sister brands now, but some cool ones. But we still are on the West Coast. We still have our building with the organic garden and dogs, to visit. dogs allowed. And, you know, on occasion, we've got yoga classes. Just depends on who's into it. So we try to keep it very West Coast vibey. We have car wash every Friday. Guy comes and can wash his cars. Oh, amazing. So it's it's a great, fun office. But yeah, I think that art and commerce piece is really important, especially in beauty. And I think it's important because, you know, beauty, it's a commodity, right? It is a consumer good. It's not unlike your Tide Pods that you use up and you have to go buy more. You use up your lipstick, you have to go buy more. But it's not like your Tide Pods because you're putting it on your face. It's a form of self-expression. It's kind of like personal art. And so it has to speak to your soul. And I think whenever you're creating products and beauty, you really have to think about like, how do I find that balance between the performance and the, you know, use it up and I have to go repurchase and this whole like, it's going to sit on my vanity. I'm going to pull it out of my purse. People are going to see me use it. It has to feel good. It has to look good. And it has to have this like kind of almost, uh, I don't know, like little artistic place in your world. Yeah. I And I think, I mean, I feel like there's a lot of similarity in that, you know, the the mix of function 
and fashion. Yes. And the business side of things versus the evolution and keeping things new and fresh and artistic and experimental, but without losing, you know, some of the foundation right. that you built. So I, I just wonder how that sort of manifests itself on a daily basis. Well, I think it's always about formula first and beauty, you know, like you have to feel it. It has to feel good. It has to work because it can look beautiful. You can create these amazing products, but if they crease when you put them on your eye or they run, there's no point and it doesn't matter how beautiful it is. The package itself has to be beautiful, but it also has to be functional. It can't be so pointy and pokey that it's going to like hurt you, you know, when you grab it out make of your handbag. Make a hole handbag. in your bag. Yeah, make a hole in your bag. So you really have to think through all the aspects. You get TSA right. because you have a weapon, but it's just your <laughs> lipstick. It's just your lipstick. Um, so I think it's about really taking the time to think through every little detail. And that to me is the fun part of creating product is thinking through all of those tiny details, like what's going to matter to people and like letting it live in my purse. And you know what? Did the finish scratch off? Did it get beat up? Did the lid fall off? Like a lot of practical things. And then also a lot of like really cool, beautiful things. Like one of my favorite things to do is do kooky, crazy things on the inside of the box, you know, like little phrases or, you know, like a map of something or, you know, things that mean something to me that you don't really see on the outside, but you have little discovery with it. Yeah. Well, and I wonder how, I mean, I think probably the longevity of Urban Decay is because you're still involved, so involved creatively that you're you're in there every day and you need to have that strong creative vision, I think. You yeah, know, every I think day. I think when there's been times when I haven't been as involved, um, for whatever reason, personal, whatever you do see like when it becomes a product, and I'm not saying I'm the only one, but when you lose a sort of singular vision, and you know this as a designer, when you let a committee design something, all of a sudden you've lost it, right? A famous, it's so a, hard. a camel it's like is doing a horse a group project. by committee. Yeah, it's true. It's a, a group project isn't as ever as powerful as like a singular vision that a team works on together to bring it to life. Right. So I you need the team. You got it. That's, exactly. that's the whole like crazy part of these businesses. And I think yours and mine is that you have to figure out how to like have the vision and bring everyone to that vision and, and everyone come to the same place rather than lots of competing points of view. Do you have a lot of the same staff, like team that you've had for a um, long time? Yeah, we did. Until recently, it was a lot. I think that there's inflection moments where it's time for people and they find their own way. And it's been really great to see some of the interesting places some of the longer term people have gone. But yeah, we have a lot of people. In fact, I think Tammy, who's here in New York with us, has been there almost 20 years. So we do have a few long, long, long termers. Yeah, yeah, I have some lifers, which is great. But I also think you need a lot of young, you know, new counterintuitive um, thinking in the mix too, because I think questioning something helps you be more creative. I think that, and also, you know, I was speaking at a girls empowerment conference yesterday in San Francisco, and it was all about these young women that want to be entrepreneurs, whether it's philanthropists or designers or tech gurus, whatever it is, they all had a different like sort of path for themselves. 
But what I was struck with was I was sitting there, they did these pitches, like they each got a 30 second pitch for their business idea. And there was 275 girls there. So it was quick. They came up in groups. But some of the pitches, I'm standing back there listening and I'm like, oh, that would never happen. And then I caught myself and I was like, no, you can't say that. This could happen. They could make this real. I'm thinking of all the roadblocks because I've been through it. And what you need are these young voices that are saying like, why not challenge this? Why not try that? And it, I think it keeps you reinvigorated as, exactly. you know, as a, as a leader or someone that's been around the block a couple of times. It just kind of keeps you fresh and keeps you motivated and keeps you optimistic. I mean, I think a certain amount of naivete is kind of important it's in really starting important, yeah. a company, which I love your story that you're like, okay, I'm just going to call that store. I'm going to did you steal somebody's I did. account I list? I stole, or stole some, someone's account list. Or so. just borrowed. Let's I, say yeah, borrowed. I wanted to hear I just the full story. <laughs> so we were getting Urban and Calf the Ground, and I was like, I don't even know where I'm going to sell this. I don't know anyone in retail. I'd never been in that business before. And my boyfriend's friend was a swimsuit rep, and he was driving down the coast to meet with some buyers in San Diego. And he's like, I've been driving for a whole day. I smell. Can I come use your shower? I'm like, absolutely. Come use my shower. So while he was in my shower, I noticed he had left his buyer list out on the table. And it was all Nordstrom buyers. And at the time, Nordstrom was carrying Mac. So I was like, Nordstrom's my best chance. Like, they get it, right? This kind of colorful point of view. So I wrote down all the names of the swimsuit buyers and their phone numbers. And now they weren't cosmetic buyers, but I did call them. And I was like, hey, my friend gave me your name and said, you give me the name of the cosmetics buyer, which he... You know, I did it before he got to them, right? And they gave me all the names and numbers, and I had this whole amazing list to work from. So I just believe you got to be now resourceful. I need those swimsuit buyers for my. No, I it sounds a lot like your story. <laughs> yeah, totally. It's the that's the whole you you're. I think it's like you're just naive enough to think why not, but smart enough and hardworking enough to think. Yeah, you well, know, that this is going to work. Yeah. Yeah. So I actually asked on Instagram what people wanted to ask you. Oh, good. Because I know that a lot of my following is like obsessed with makeup. So one of the questions that kept on coming up was about the creative process behind making the naked palette and how it came to be. Okay. That's a fun story, actually. So as I was, you know, working, traveling I'm a lot. wearing it right now, oh, by it the looks way. beautiful. I actually noticed your eyeshadow looks really good. <laughs> I was hoping it was I mine. I don't know how to do <laughs> makeup at all. But as I was traveling around, you know, I was always repacking and packing my makeup bag. And I love to wear color. But I always wore kind of like a couple of neutral shades to kind of create the base to create a fun, colorful eye. And I thought it would be really nice if I just had a little quad palette with the perfect four shades in it so that I didn't have to really think about what to throw in my bag when I'm packing for the next trip. And so I said to two other people I worked with who worked on product with me, like, hey, if you were going to bring four perfect shades to a desert island, what would the four shades be that you would bring? And so we were going to create this perfect quad palette and filter through each other's colors. And we got to work the next day. Everyone put their shades out and we lined them up and we're like, this is like so perfect on its own, like as 12 shades. And there was one dupe and we like, you know, kind of saw the gap there and like recreated one shade. And that was it. That was the naked palette. We just put it out like that. Oh my God. Yeah. I mean, I've seen- So I always call it my desert island story. I love- (laughs) I always say if I was 
stranded on a desert island, they would come to save me and they would be like, have you seen Cynthia? Because like without all the stuff, you know, it's like, I'm in the witness protection program. Like nobody would recognize me. They'd be like, my hair hair would be gray. I'd be all wrinkly. No, yeah. No makeup. No, but I feel like you do have moments like that in any creative industry where you just put something together with your team and you're just like, oh, okay, that works. Sometimes that's so simple. It doesn't have to be so hard. And sometimes it takes forever and it's so, you know, like it's this so such a long process of revision and everything, but there's also times when it's just like a star, you know, it just happens and flows. Um, so but I that's love why that I think story. it's really important to be really connected to the world and like try, I think we should all try not to like just be glued to our phones as much and like just sit and look around. Cause the way those perfect magical moments happen is by like, little pieces of inspiration and information all like just flowing into your head and just marinating for a while. And then there's like a perfect moment when it comes out. And if you're not taking all of that in, if it's all coming in through your screen, I mean, I think there's definitely some inspiration through the screen. Obviously we all look at Instagram and say like, wow, I've never seen anything like that before. But I think there's also a lot you hear and see from the outside world. And I think we all have to like, to have those creative moments really like let it all like come in and just hang out in your head for a while and then magic will appear. That oh my god, we are like the same creative beings. That's exact yeah. that's how I work. Like it's just like it has to go through the filter, marinating, you know, and things just come out. No, we did an episode yeah. with my mom's creative director and they were talking about just like where does inspiration come from and it's just, it's so hard to describe like where those moments come in because I think it is like a collection of your experiences that you've kind of just let build up for a while. And when we're on our phones, it's like so disrupting to that process because we're constantly thinking like, oh, but would that do well on Instagram? Or like, would that- Yeah, you're judging it before you create it. It's hard, yeah. But that's why your vision throughout this whole time is so important. Like your your vision, like pushing the brand ahead. Pushing the brand ahead. I think it is. And I, you know, I just remember one time I went to a really cool like exhibition of street art. And it not only led to like color inspiration, but product and texture inspiration. It ended up being, it's it's, it's our 24-7 pencils came out of that, which have been around for 20 years People love them, the super high performance, because I felt like if you're skateboarding, you have to be able to sweat and it won't come off. And so the formula came out of that, but then all of the colors from the street art too. And like, that was one of my kind of like most favorite creative moments when I had like that, uh, this has to be a line. And that would have never happened if I had been judging it off my phone. You're exactly right. I need a surf few little surf items that won't run off in the water. Oh, I have a plan. I have a surf face plan. I can you give do? you. Oh yes. For real? I have a surfing face plan. Yes. Because, because the only- she only wears this one little line of eyeliner. That's the only makeup I've ever seen my mom wear. But, but I use, when I go surfing, I use Sharpie. Oh no, you just need my pencil. Yeah, you just it won't it won't the twenty four seven won't come off. Some setting spray too, and some setting spray. (laughs) Okay, yeah, yeah. 
No, I have, be a, I have a full, like, there's a full procedure before I go surfing so that it looks natural, but it's fully, like, it's like a bulletproof yeah, sun just protection. A, just a little something. Yeah. Okay, I, we need to cover that. Yes, We need sure. to do that little, somehow, photo shoot. So, moving on a little bit, but still in the same social media vein, I wanted to talk about how the beauty community online has changed since you started Urban Decay and how do you choose which influencers to represent the brand the best? And what are your thoughts on TikTok influencers? Also, that's a three-part question. Yeah, it's a lot. um, Number one, I think the influence of social media on, on the industry has been really interesting. So we were pretty heavy into MySpace. You probably don't remember that. Oh, yeah. But MySpace, yeah, when it was early on, we were really like pushing the brand on MySpace, but you couldn't really do a lot visually with it. It was more just a connection. And then Facebook came out. And I remember I had found someone who was kind of like a Facebook expert. And I went to my business partner and I was like, look, I found this woman. I think we need to hire her to do Facebook. And he goes, we're going to hire someone to be on Facebook all day long. And I'm like, yes. So (laughs) this was a person number one. And she came in and really helped us build our Facebook following. But then, of course, like Instagram comes and everything else. I Wait, think, so is this when you're, are you selling from your own direct-to-consumer site? Or is this to promote No, this is just to promote on social media. Stores. This is just to promote, I mean, this in is like events stores. in the stores. Yeah, it was mostly oh, yeah. to promote in retail stores, yeah. more than anything. And I think what was interesting was the social media piece was really what I call the perfect storm in the democratization of beauty. So before, like we were talking about earlier, beauty was you know, it was very aspirational, is very much like a guy in an office building, usually a man, saying, this is what's beautiful and you should all aspire to this. And I'm going to sell you products so that you don't feel bad about yourself anymore. And we turned it on its head to be like, our products are more about self-expression and how to feel good about yourself. So that's part one. Social media, so Sephora was part two, right? Coming to the US. And then part three of that democratization of beauty was social media. And that was this opportunity for people to see themselves, people that look like themselves being popular and followed and liked and appreciated on Instagram and realizing that I don't have to like aspire to look like perfect model. I can look like myself and people will still admire me and think my art, my makeup works great or whatever it is that they were telling, they were telling their own story. So I think you needed that social media piece to really turn the beauty industry around and make it more about the people it was serving versus making the people it was serving feel kind of bad about themselves. Yeah. And Also with that comes like the whole review culture and all of that, which allows people to, I mean, sometimes make negative comments, but genuinely critique a product in the sense that you guys are getting direct consumer feedback on all of your products. And it's, it's a great feedback loop, you know? Yeah. We have this product called eyeshadow primer potion. It's been around for a while, but I think it was the first 360 degree feedback loop beauty product out there because it was in this genie bottle. We put it in the genie bottle because it was like magic potion that would keep your eyeshadow on. 
And I just put it in the genie bottle because it was cool. But what we found out was that people were making YouTube videos. At this point, YouTube had started to come out and they were cutting it open with a Dremel because you couldn't get all the product out because of the shape (laughs) of the bottle. And so they were cutting it open. And then there was all this feedback like, well, they're just trying to get you to buy more because you can't get all the product out. And I was like, no, I was just putting in a cute bottle. But the feedback loop was really good. So what I did was I just made the cap look kind of magical and I put it in a tube so people could get every ounce of it out without having to put their safety goggles on and buy power tools. (laughs) So yes, that feedback loop is really important. And that might've been the first example, but now there's countless other examples of brands getting information back directly from their customers, or even like in the case of Glossier, asking their customers what they want to help drive product development, which is really cool too. Yes. What about TikTok? Yeah, I've become obsessed recently. I know. I I literally, it's so bad. I spend hours just scrolling on it. I think it's so entertaining and I love it. And I wish that I could actually do it. I do do it with my teenage daughter, my younger daughter. My sister making fun of us for being old. Um, you being old? Yeah, oh my God. No, you don't have said a that to on me. your face, kid. She said that to me the other day. I called her and I was like, Gigi, how do I get a sound on TikTok? And she was like, oh my God, you're old. And I was like, oh no, it's <laughs> the day has come. I don't understand TikTok. So I've been like trying my best to try and consume all of the content I can from it and just like understand the whole world. Oh my God, it's so I posted so, it's a scary. TikTok on my story that I made with Gigi and within maybe 10 seconds of posting, I was getting a million texts from her. Take it down, take it down, take it down. Yeah. Like it was just too, too. embarrassing for her. Aww. I thought it was hilarious. But, but one thing <laughs> I've noticed that I think is amazing about TikTok is that the biggest influencers are normal looking girls, yes, which is so refreshing because Instagram, like it's true. There's so many influencers that are just like normal looking, but I do think that it's come to a point where like a lot of it does have to do with appearance and like Oh, it's well, definitely, don't normal? get me wrong. Now, 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 I don't think Instagram, you can even say normal. Yeah, you can't even say normal. Instagram has definitely taken, you know, a slightly darker turn, like from that, like super hopeful moment. You know, it is, you. we have to watch ourselves and make sure. I told the girls yesterday at that conference, like, hey, just make sure that like, you don't spend so much time looking at Instagram that it zaps your confidence or self-esteem because it's really easy to go down that hole, like, you know, I've been doing this for a long time. I'm relatively successful. I'm sure you have the same experience. You can go on Instagram and sort of feel like kind of bad about yourself. So you got to like keep that in check. Don't let that. And I think it it manifests in so many different ways. I mean, I feel like at this point in my life, I know what I look like and I'm pretty confident in my appearance. But sometimes it, I'll go on Instagram and get really insecure that I'm like not doing enough with my life or that somebody's more productive than me or, you know, like somebody's yeah, a more business in, a ways don't let it. So it's just like, I don't know. I TikTok has like been t- refreshing because it's just more about like dancing and fun Silliness and music. And fun and yeah. yeah. I mean, and there are some cringy ones, but 
I don't know. Have you guys started to talk about your strategy? There's definitely a TikTok strategy. I haven't been as involved in it because I like to sort of have more of a input on the social media pieces that are kind of longer running, like mm-hmm. bigger picture. Because, you know, we like dove into Snapchat for a, and for a hot second, it was sort of commercially viable. And now it's really like I see my kids just talk to their friends on it. Like it's not really like as huge of a strategy um, from the beauty side anymore as it used to be. Um, but it comes back and forth, you know, like then there'll be a Snapchat spike again and you'll go back into it. So I just think with these sort of like quicker, shorter term things, I really let the social media team like drive that direction. And then some of the longer term stuff I like to sort of have my hand in. Because we were going to make a TikTok right after we record. Today. Okay, let's do <laughs> it. <laughs> no. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Please. I embarrass myself enough on that app. Okay. Another thing I wanted to ask about was, I know you guys have been cruelty-free since day one. And I wanted to talk about any gray areas in that field that have, you know, come about. I think it's such like a buzzword now um, for beauty and cosmetics, but you guys are really the OGs in terms of that message. And I wanted to hear about that story a little bit. Well, it's just something that we believed in from the beginning that you didn't need to test on animals. And, you know, unfortunately, there are many ingredients that we still use today that were used in the past that at one point were tested on animals. But, you know, everybody uses those. You can't really take away the past, right? So, but anything going forward, we've never used any animal tested ingredients. And one of the other things we believed in was no animal hair. And people told us we were crazy when we said we're going to do all synthetic brushes from the beginning. You know, you can't do a good brush. And we really worked hard to figure out how to crimp the hair so that it would hold the powder pigments and wrap it with the ferrule so that the bristles are held loosely and not so tight and firm. Like, you know, you've seen those synthetic brushes that feel like they're kind of just flick your makeup everywhere. (laughs) So it took a long time to figure out how to do that. And I think, you know, I even had the distributor in the UK tell me they wouldn't sell a single one and we were crazy. And of course, the next week they're like, we sold out of them, send more. Why don't you have more? And then yelling at me because we didn't have more. So I think um, it's a real meaningful thing for people. I think no one wants to, you know, be a participant in the animal cruelty piece. So I think it's just become a given for people. But I always loved our first animal cruelty-free tagline. It was like, we don't do animal testing. How could anyone? So I think it That's really makes you take a take a look genius. at what's important to you. Yeah. And lastly, I wanted to ask, I guess in terms of the feedback loop, something that comes up a lot for, I know it's come up for you, mommy, (laughs) (laughs) Cynthia, I know it's come up for you and it's come up for me as well in terms of packaging and everything, sustainability and what commitments that you guys have made in recent years around sustainability and eco-friendly packaging and all of that stuff. Yeah, I think it's becoming more and more important. When I first started diving into looking at this, that was the moment that like the corn plastic came out and I was like, okay, let's make everything in corn plastic. And then even if we spray over it, no one will see how ugly it is. And, you know, you really have to look at what really is sustainable because what I found out was if we buy the corn plastic, all of the molds were in factories overseas. So we'd have to ship the the goo overseas and then would have to ship back. And by the time you do that, you've negated any gains 
that you would have had by using corn plastic. So I think number one is sustainability has to be real. There's so many ways to fake it and say you're sustainable. But I think the most important thing we have to do as a beauty industry is really look at all of these displays and merchandising that we're creating (sighs) um, because they change over and we throw them away. And to me, that's one of the most important things we can do. So I have to say, like I was in in Paris and L'Oreal has a like merchandising workshop and they had a whole room filled with potential materials they were exploring for all of their brands so that we could create more sustainable displays and merchandising, which I think is really exciting. I think number one, you have to like make your boxes 100% consumer recycled paper. Like that's an easy one. It's a no brainer. Like why wouldn't you do that? So I think there's all of that stuff. And I think in order to kind of move forward with the primary packaging, you have to really start to think creatively and out of the box. Like it's really easy to make something look fancy and spray it and, you know, electroplate it and make it look shiny and beautiful, but it's not necessarily good for the environment. So how can you make something just as desirable without creating a lot of like toxicity and waste in the environment. And it just makes you have to question all of your decisions and try to do things right and beautiful and creatively without as much glitz and glam and flash. But I think it's nice to have sometimes to have those boundaries to think about and say, you know what, I have to be creative within this. Yes. You know, within these boundaries. And then I think it, it, it's almost like you, you to be, be more even creative. more creative. Yeah, exactly. I totally agree with you. And feeling good about it. Yeah. Instead of just like, you know, here's my ego talking and this is what I want. Fabulous, beautiful. Yeah. You know, no, actually, let's just keep it within what's right and what we can do to make the world a better place. Yeah. Like I'm sure with your that. I'm sure with your wetsuits, you're looking at like that recycled neoprene it's and sustainable all, yeah. neoprene. Yeah. yeah. Super cool. Thank you. I love love making those wetsuits. I know. All my friends have them. You'll see Wendy on the gram in her amazing surf makeup and And a CR CR wetsuit. That's right. I just got a brand new surfboard, so I'm very excited. (gasps) What color is it? It is blue. It's such a pretty fade. It's gorgeous. It's a Stuart. Oh, nice. Yeah, it's really nice. So it's a long board. It's like a nine. It's a nine-o. Nine-o. I know. See? I knew it. Heaven. Same. Do you surf too, kid? Yes, our whole family, my little sister, my dad, my mom. So anytime we have a break from school. Well, you guys a... need to come to Newport Beach. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, we have a, I have a, have store, a store there. there? Yeah, yeah, you have, have a store. store there. So I have a really good story about your store. I was in Mexico on the East Cape surfing in the middle of nowhere with my husband. And it was a little too big for me. So I had this guy out with me. He's he's an ex, you know, like kind of semi-pro surfer. So my husband's off like ripping it up. And I'm like, I'm a little scared. It's a little over my head. But this guy was kind of coaching me through the whole thing. And it turns out his girlfriend works in your store in Newport Beach. Oh, really? Yes. And? And she's Anne? and I brought her, her makeup. Name is Anne? No, her name is uh, Caitlin. Oh yeah, blonde, beautiful. Oh nice! Yeah. Wow, small world. Small world. The surf world. And is so you tiny. did it. So you surfed the big waves. I did. I was I was scared, but so happy. Yeah. And that is a metaphor for what it takes to be an entrepreneur, yes. right? And be a you boss. Got, you just got to go. Yeah. Just. You're afraid. I always say, I actually do always say this, that if I'm not a little bit afraid every day, I must not be pushing myself. 
You know what I mean? I like, do know what you mean. You have to have you have to have something that you're a little bit fearful of that just you have to forge ahead and break through and do it and you know have that satisfaction and I'm sure you do that many times a day. Yeah. We all do. Is there a certain is there a certain way that you organize your day so that your work life and your family life are either integrated or separate or yes. I'm just curious about them. Well, what I do, I I have one driver now which change has changed things a little bit and one non-driver. And so the non-driver, I drive him to school every morning unless I'm traveling, which, you know, I really try to be there to drive him to school. But what I don't do is I don't pick him up because that's the carpool line, right? And that's just like a time suck where you're like sitting there waiting for them to like let all the cars through to pick up the kid. And so the morning I feel like is super good quality time for us in the car to bond. But in the afternoon, I feel like, oh my gosh, there's stuff I need to be getting done at work and so many good, important things. So I think one of my little tricks is to decide like, where can you have the most bang for your buck? Oh, smart. Right? Mm -hmm. And so morning drop-off is a big bang, but afternoon carpool, like he's tired. He doesn't really want to talk anyway. And then I want to sit there in the line for 40 minutes. So I have someone else pick him up. So that that really kind of works for me with the whole balance thing. I try to work out in the mornings so that in the evenings, I'm there with them when they're home. And I'm sure you've found this because you have teenagers too, or did have a teenager and now have one teenager. But I just feel like when they're kids, little kid problems can almost be solved by any caring adult. And now I really try to be around more and travel less if possible, because I feel like when you have teenager problems, they start to get bigger. And sometimes that's only a problem their mom can solve or help them solve or help them work through oh, or have so a mom right. to lean on. And I actually had American Airlines call me because I was like the concierge club level or whatever. And they're like, um, we noticed you're not traveling as much. And I'm like, yes, I'm home with my kids more. So they actually called me because they, you know, were worried that I'd switch to another airline. I'm like, no, I'm just, just trying to more time just with spending the teens, more time with the teens. Not making TikToks with the teens. Uh, I actually, so I ask my kids, you know, whenever I want to put them on Instagram, but I think they, they don't mind being on my Instagram, but no, they don't want me to make TikToks with them. <laughs> No, I just think I, I agree with you about uh, bang for your buck. Like, you know, what are the times when you know they're going to be the most engaged? And sometimes it's just like, you know, why why are you still in my room? I'll, oh, I'll I get that, that all the time. Why, why are, you, are you still here? Why are you still here? Um, Because I love you oh so much. Oh, my gosh. I'm just hearing my own conversation <laughs> happen right now. Because I love you so much. I just want to be with you. They, what do they say to that? You can't say anything mean to that. Yeah, he can't because, say anything mean, but he will be like, uh, I need to like do my study group on FaceTime. I'm like, uh, I know you're not doing study <laughs> group. I know you're socializing. Yeah. So you do your workout in the morning and you do it at home or you go to a class. Um, or... I usually either CrossFit or play tennis or try to do something or surf if the surf's good weekends, my kids are usually busy in the morning. They're usually surfing on the weekends, which I don't like to do because it's crowded. And then I'll usually play like beach volleyball or something like two-man beach volleyball. Ooh, fun. So, uh, yeah. Can we move to Newport, please? 
<laughs> Sounds That's amazing. amazing. Well, I just bought the house next door to mine. So once I get it fixed up, you guys can stay in it. Yeah, come we'll over. come. Yeah. I'm down. <laughs> we'll bring wetsuits for everyone. Bring yeah. your surfboards. Yeah. We'll have surf racks installed and be ready to go. Oh, that's amazing. We can do a uh, Newport Montauk. Yes. Switch. Or well, exchange. I was actually out in the Hamptons last summer and we didn't get out to Montauk and I was so bummed. But okay, you have to come out. You have to come this summer. It's, okay. It's very It's fun. basically Newport on Long Island. Okay. In a way, you know, yeah, it has same that vibe. vibe. Same vibe for sure. We did fitness. We did. Oh, yeah. In the winter, fitness wise, I snowboard a lot. So oh. I have a house in Utah. I have like my Wi-Fi and I spend a lot of time um, snowboarding. And one of the things we try to do as a family, like speaking of time, like merging the two is so my kids CrossFit with me. So we'll all go to a CrossFit class together and lift together. And then we- been wanting to go so badly. I've never been. Oh, you'll love it. You love it. And then we are going on a big snowboard trip together. So we we have our place and we snowboard, but we're going to go to Alaska together oh. And all snowboard, or they ski actually, and we snowboard. Isn't that ironic? The parents snowboard, the kids <laughs> ski. But yeah, we're going to go on a big heli snowboard trip and just go nice. go find some great powder together. Amazing. I think it's really important, you know, when, when you have your own kids, when you have a family, that you have that collective... Playtime. Playtime. So whatever it is, if it's tennis or surfing or snowboarding or... Mountain biking mount- or whatever it is. Yeah, whatever it is. I think it's really important that you all have one thing that you all love to do together. I totally agree. Surfing, like being able to surf with everyone in our family makes it such a special time. And I think that there's a lot of people that don't have that. Well, and you get to plan your vacations Vacations. around it. Yeah. I feel so lucky to have that. Yeah. I want to ask what's on your bucket list for... 2020, maybe one work thing and one fun thing. Hmm. Okay. For, so for 2020 on my work bucket list, I'm looking at another like really exciting collaboration. I can't announce it yet, but I'm really excited for for an, in, an interesting collab that is, I believe is going to happen. So that is on my bucket list to make. It's been on my bucket list for a long time. So I'm really excited that in 2020 or early 2021, it will happen. So okay. it'll probably happen in 2021, but it'll be finalized in 2020. So that will be exciting. And then personal, I'm really excited about the snowboard trip because my husband and I have been to Alaska many times and we love it so much and we've never taken our kids. And it's really, we're really excited to like have this moment for us to all together to share it before my older one goes away to college and you know, maybe we don't have this opportunity again. So you never know what's going to be thrown at you in life. So we just want to spend as much time with them as we can. And it's a pretty exciting time. And then I'm busy planning a surf trip also for the summer. So we love so to go on those. It sounds like you're going to hit everything on your list. I'm going to hit everything on the you're list. You're going to cross them all off. No, I'm check, at an check, age check. now where you've got to start checking it off. Yeah. You know, like the stuff's got to happen. 100% agree. Yeah. Don't wait. Just whatever it is, do it. Just do it. Can you just tell our listeners where they can find you online? Oh, you can find me. My Instagram is at UDWendy and my name is W-E-N-D-E. No wise, just U-D-W-E-N-D-E. That's the best place to find me online. 
All right. So I'm so happy that you guys got to listen to our stories today. As always, you can follow us on social media and keep up with our work and our crazy adventures. Then you can follow us on Instagram at Cynthia Rowley and at Kit Keenan. Thanks for listening. (laughs) 